Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the podcast, The Videographer's Journey. Um, today, I hosted a guy called name, um, called name, a guy named Eric Powell. Uh, he's a 20 years old videographer from Wisconsin. And what really amazed me is his amount of knowledge and experience already uh, uh, in the industry. Now, this talk compacts so much value into it it's amazing i wanted to make a short headline that says what's inside the the, the episode but i couldn't really figure out what to say we are talking about um filming weddings we are talking about uh client managing client expectations uh, we are talking about filming and editing documentary style videos and the editing process um we are talking about uh, pricing and we are talking about how to get your first clients in the real estate industry. So much value in this talk. So uh, stay tuned. Here we go. I know you said um, that you started not long ago, right? Yep. Yep. I would say I started to, well, as a, as a career, I started doing videography in November of 2019. Um, but I've been doing some like freelance and, getting my toes wet since mid high school. So like three or four years now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so can you tell everyone, first of all, uh, where you're from, how old are you and where did it all started? Like, yeah, so I'm 20 years old. I live in Wisconsin in the United States. Um, I kind of started doing video for fun when I was in high school, just got interested in doing skits with, you know, my family and friends and all of that. And then as I started getting older and thinking of what I was going to do for college and what I was going to do with my life, basically, I saw that videography was, you know, like an actual career and I could make my life doing it. So I got more interested in learning how to, you know, make art with it and be, be myself through videography, I guess. And so, yes, I went to school after high school. I went to the University of Nebraska in the U.S. as well. Uh, and I was studying broadcasting for about 15, 16 months and basically just decided that I wasn't willing to pay as much money for school as I was uh, based on, you know, the education I was getting. So I decided to leave school and I got the job that I have now, which is at my church. Nice. First of all, I got to say, I'm, I'm really pro not going to school. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people will forgive me about this, but uh, I graduated like um, uh, two years ago, mm -hmm. business school. And yeah. like, yeah, I, I think schools are becoming more and more irrelevant. And I especially agree. in the US where you have to like take so many loans to, yep, to justify exactly. what. Yeah, I okay, mean, you're, so you're basically paying for a house at this point just to get your life started. And then you're it seems like you're put at a disadvantage with your money, you know, depending on how much money you're spending at school. So it seems almost counterproductive nowadays. Yeah, it is. I think it's an it's an old system that needs to be shaped. Mm -hmm. um, so how how like people uh, reacted to this decision? You're getting out of school and starting your uh, career in videography. My parents were pretty supportive overall. Obviously, they wanted me to make like an educated decision. They didn't want me just to, you know, leave school because I didn't like it or leave school because, you know, homework is dumb or whatever. They wanted me to consider all of my options. And, you know, they wanted me to realize that after I leave school, it's not just me coming home and living with them and bumming around. I needed to, you know, figure something out, figure out my next plan. Even if that took a little bit of time, they were okay with that. But they were they were supportive of me doing what I thought was best for myself. And I had, I had expressed to them during high school that I wasn't sure if I wanted to do college or not. Um, but I did decide to go just to try it out because, you know, obviously college does work for some people and it is a common path that most kids will go through. So, you know, I, I figured there wasn't too much harm in trying it out. Um, but yeah, I talked to my, one of my good friends who was actually my roommate about it, you know, telling him like, I'm not sure if I want to stay here too long or if, if this is the right choice for me. And he was kind of the same way. He was really supportive of me. Just like, Hey, yeah, I want you to be in a good place. And, 
um, you know, do it, do its best for you. And I'm, I know you'll be fine throughout this. So overall, pretty positive reactions from my family and friends and the people I'm working with now, because like you said, it seems like a lot of people are starting to understand that college is kind of messed up right now and in, in its pricing and, and all of yeah. that. So it's, yeah. it's becoming more of a common ideology, I think. Yeah, and I think having a, a supportive environment is such an important thing. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people look at videography or creative works in general, and, and they like a question the, the, the profession, if it's any good, if it's serious, like, is it a thing? Is it like, you know, is it a, a passing thing? Or right. can you actually make a career out of it? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people... Like, especially at the beginning, uh, when they need support from the environment, they don't get it because um, people don't see it as serious. And I think that if you got that support, that's that's amazing. And I mean, you, you have to appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing that you were saying about like videography being a, a career path and all, I, I, I felt the same way, too, because I was I was, you know, you see on YouTube, there's you know, millions of people on YouTube now creating videos every second and only a handful of them are really making money on it. And you think like, Oh, you're a videographer. Do you want to be like a YouTuber or something? Doesn't sound like a safe bet, but there's so much you can do with video. I mean, there's weddings, there's the business side of it. There's the creative side of it. There's the social media side of it. There's all of that stuff. So I think just getting the technical skill set of being able to use a camera and being able to edit and tell a story through that is going to set you up to do so many things. Exactly. I think people that are not in the business underestimate what goes through making a video. Like people think it's just taking a camera and recording. No, it's not. (laughs) No. You know? No. No, it's not. So um, what we learn in the process, and I think you'll get there if you haven't already, is you learn that all you do is convey a message. Mm -hmm. Your medium is video, but you're actually becoming an artist in conveying a message. And that message can be whatever it is. You know, it can be for selling something. It could be persuading people to do X, Y, Z. It can be just to show uh, some emotions, conveying a message. And I think that's an art form that is overlooked by a lot of people and when you get that set of skills, and let's say you want to go back to the corporate world, um, that is that that is an amazing set of skills. When it Absolutely. comes to marketing, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. And it, just to you know reassure people that it's all good. Like worst case, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right. And ultimately, no matter what kind of video you're making, you're telling a story. I mean, even if you're advertising a a product the story is this is the product and here's why you should buy or here's why you should be excited about it and getting that basis into your videography can be really tough i mean i i don't see my i've had trouble seeing myself as a creative for a while i think i used to think that i was a lot better on the technical side of videography like i'm really good at using my editing workspace i'm really good at hitting the buttons on the camera and making sure everything's working but i thought i had problems with like creating an idea and like telling a story but as you as you get more comfortable doing like the tech stuff and you get it kind of becomes like uh subconscious and you just do it then you get Mm -hmm. to focus on telling the story and so i i'm finding myself now finding that easier and finding that more rewarding and fulfilling to actually be able to you know treat treat everything as like a piece of art and as a story yeah exactly like there's a reason people can still watch movies from the 90s right you know quality wasn't better stories (laughs) it's all about stories you know exactly and 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 people especially on youtube you see it like a lot of people make tutorials about the equipment and and you see it in the comment sections like tons of questions on equipment right and how what camera should i buy yeah and and this yep like they focus on all the wrong things and and i get it because it's easier because it's you can see results way faster and Mm -hmm. it's like you know how to tell a story is kind of a boring question to ask and maybe to answer it's way harder than just like how do i make my lights better uh color grading how do i make it look like more cinematic so yeah, you don't see the results as much faster as other stuff, but at the end of the day, 
like big production companies, you, you look at all the big players in the industry, that's what they're striving for and that's what brought them results, brought them success. Yep. And I'm, yeah, are and you familiar with Casey Neistat? Yeah, of course. He's a great example of like the opposite of that because if you've seen his videos, like he'll just put the worst quality footage in some of his in some of his work, but it just always like works and always looks good. And he made his first like little videos in the early two thousands using you know like a four DP camcorder. But he's just such a good storyteller, and he knows mm-hmm. his audience so well that none mm-hmm. of the other stuff matters. Exactly, exactly, and and uh, I see it today. With my, uh, I have some clients that I work with on a retainer basis, and um, it, it gives me the freedom to kind of like play around with some different type of videos. And what I find out is a lot of time that um, the videos that make good sales are the ones who are uh, they look way more authentic. Like they, we even shot some videos on the phone, like yeah. intentionally. We didn't use a camera intentionally because we wanted to be super authentic. Right. And um, it just goes to prove that people, you know, they take it like people on the other side that are not artists, not video creators. They take it as for granted, like to see good quality video um, commercial. Like, of course, I mean, this is the default. But um, when when you think especially when you think about making videos for social. Like if you have clients and you make, this is like most of the cases, you make videos for clients who will post them on Facebook, Instagram, etc. People watching them on their phone while they're sitting on the bathroom or <laughs> whatever. And um, they don't want to be, feel they don't want to feel like somebody is yelling at them, buy my stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They want to feel connected. They want to feel entertained. And in an in an authentic way, a lot exactly. of times they want it to revolve yeah. around them more than what they're watching. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, what kind of videos uh, have you started doing? So right now I work at my church, like I said, and the main majority of my content is just stuff for our like weekend services and stuff like that. So with COVID and everything, we had to quickly adapt to getting a live stream set up. Mm-hmm. Um, my my church has. I would say probably six or 7,000 members. Um, we usually get like a couple thousand per, per service or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. But we never had like a live stream set up because we just, we had the technology to do it, but it was more about the logistics of how do we, you know, we don't want to just stream our service and like have people watch it. We want people to actually engage with it because ultimately the point of a church is for community and for, you know, learning and engagement and growth. So if you just stream your service and it looks nothing different to than if you were in person, what's really the purpose? You know, they're not getting anything from it. So but after COVID hit in March, we were like, we don't really have any other choices now. So we started adapting to like the live streaming format. So what mm-hmm. a lot of what I've been filming is stuff like our intro and our outro. We have like a host each week. Um, so I'll just film like a 60, 90 second intro. Like, hey, welcome to church this weekend. We're so glad to have you. Blah, blah, blah. This is how you can get it connected. Thanks. Like, let's head in. Whatever. Stuff like that. Um We've also do we also do a lot of interviews with people. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with some of the you know like the racial tensions that are going on in America. Yeah, yeah. My my yeah. church responded to that um, pretty quickly, and we we just talked to some people in our community of color and and stuff like that, and just heard their perspective. So we'd sit down with people and hear their stories and hear you know some things that they want to share. Um, but before COVID hit, we would do some, a little bit more creative work per se. Like we did, um, testimonial videos, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. telling their story of addiction in the past or some struggle they had, how they overcame it and how, you know, their, their faith brought them through it or whatever. And then we'll do like a creative element for our Easter services and Christmas where it's more like cinematic and more story driven film based kind of, yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah. And the goal is to bring people closer to the church with those videos? Yeah, I mean, right now, it's a lot of it is connecting 
um, people with the church, like like I said, with the live stream stuff, it's more of like a resource. When the when the host comes on stage, they'll or on on screen, they'll say, you know, if you're new, you can text this phone number or go to this URL, or if you're looking to find this, you can come here. Blah blah blah. So stuff like that, where it's just like engaging the community and and giving them resources on how to engage further on their own time. Mm, nice. Yeah. And um, beyond that, like, what's your um What's your goals? Like, where do you want to take your business, if you have any? Kind of trying to figure that out, I guess. I mean, I, for a while, I thought I was more of a corporate videographer. Like, I started off in high school. I filmed some state assembly video um, campaign for, like, our government officials. And I've done, you know, some corporate ads, stuff like that. So I thought that I was more freelance corporate videography i'm kind of interested in doing like commercials and like music videos and stuff like that but mm -hmm. the more i've been playing around with my style and like storytelling and stuff i'm i'm, I'm kind of interested in like short films and documentaries and stuff like that too so i don't have any particular plans but i guess wherever it takes me and whatever i find you know joy and fulfillment through yeah totally man yeah. Well, that's that's really nice. I mean, that's uh kind of like where I started. Uh like testimonials took me to like documentary style testimonials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you've seen masterclass videos which are amazing. Mhm. Mm yeah. Uh they're promos. So yeah, they got me like, oh, I really want to do this kind of style videos. Um so with with these videos, um do you get more clients now like calling up to you and stuff like that uh or covid just like got everything shut down and like nobody <laughs> talks what's going on over there um a little bit of both honestly i i focus on my job at the church right now because i do work full-time i don't have a ton of time mm. to do freelance work but when i yeah. get when i get offers or um i see a job available i'll, I'll try to jump on it i mean i filmed a wedding in august um, actually for a family member of mine, but, uh, I film so I'll do like weddings here and there. And then actually the, the photographer at that wedding gave me her information and she's been connecting me with some of her clients, clients that are in need of video. So hopefully I'll get more wedding jobs for this upcoming, um, uh, winter spring season and, and next summer. But yeah, I, I haven't been taking too many freelance jobs, uh, with COVID and stuff. And do you want to do? Oh, I, I mean, I don't have any issues with that. I would love to. Yeah. I mean, more experience is always better. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly busy with work right now, all the editing I'm having to do and all the production I'm having to do. But I mean, if yeah. it fits in my schedule, I'd, I'd love to do more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, uh, editing usually takes up like 80% of the time when it oh, comes yeah, to this absolutely. line of work. And yeah. um, when you get to grow, you bring on editors and it yep. makes your life so much easier i mean yep. i always strive to um to delegate the stuff that i don't like and keep doing the stuff that i like for me yep. especially it's uh I, I love directing and i love editing but yep. because editing takes so much time <laughs> i just i just yeah, love no to kidding. i just love to edit the stuff that i really want to edit yeah and you know what totally what makes funny sense. is yeah, what's funny is that people told me that my best videos uh, are the ones I made for free. And it kind of makes sense because the videos you made voluntarily just because you wanted to do something for yourself because you felt passionate about it and you have no obligation towards the client, you have kind of like a free free uh will to do everything you want like nobody yeah. gonna tell you anything because they didn't pay for it <laughs> and that's yeah, when no, your totally creative did. mind goes to the craziest places mm -hmm. and yeah and yeah, I've, yeah. I've even found that in like music and stuff like i i i play guitar and and i used to sing in, in high school and all that and right. what i've found is like i've i'm not a good songwriter at all and i know that i'm more of just like a musician not really a composer but what I can do is when I'm when I don't care how it sounds or if if the lyrics are a complete joke like maybe I'm just improvising yeah. something about my friend I can I can do it for hours like I could just improvise like a song for hours and it would be, it'd be okay like sure the lyrics <laughs> would be corny and goofy but like when you don't care as much or it's not like 
there's no pressure on you you can do so much more work and like just express yourself way easier this is this is so true and um that's why i tell a lot of people who are just starting out go do some free work mm-hmm. not just for the sake of doing free work go do something Be- because you're doing it for free you can choose the client you can choose the type of video you're going to make you can choose everything oh yeah Uh, if you get lucky, the client will hand you some money for expenses. Right. But yeah, generally you can just pick whatever you want and then you get to have that client on your portfolio. Plus, yep. afterwards, he can, you know, refer, uh, get you referrals and even he can, he can take you on another job for um, a paid job. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how the the family met my cousin's wedding went. She, I offered I texted her and I was like, hey, as a gift for your wedding, I'd love to make a video for you or for, uh, of your wedding, especially because her wedding got moved up. It was supposed to be in March of this mm-hmm. coming year, 2021. They moved it to August of this year. So planning yeah. was just hectic for them, as I know, and they had to get a lot of things done. And with COVID and everything, it was a smaller wedding. So I was like, hey, I'd just love to do this for you give you a nice wedding to remember your day or a nice video to remember your wedding day and just you know stretch my skills a little bit and it made it a lot nicer because this is the first wedding i filmed solo i filmed some with some groups and teams and stuff more of like a b yeah more as like a b or c cam uh runner but this was all me and so having having it in an environment with like family and not for pay and not like I'm required to deliver an, an a grade product took a lot of the pressure off. So like during the day I was more like able to learn the experience better and like how I would, how I should do this better next time. And it was just a lot less stressful of a, of an event. What do you have to say for people who are just starting making videos for video, uh, for weddings? For weddings, um, I would say get to know your bride very well beforehand. Uh, talk to her, him, her on the phone um, and make sure that you know that you're there to serve them. You know, you're, you're not the one in charge. It's, it's their day. And I would also say to connect with the photographer if you can and, you know, talk to them even just a couple minutes before everything starts and just be like, hey, When the bride walks down the aisle, where are you going to be standing? Where can I stand? Make sure you communicate with like other people who are doing stuff that day so you're not in their way and they're not in your way messing up your shots because ultimately you have one chance to get everything during a wedding. So you want to make sure that you get those shots, of course, but that you're also not intrusive and in the way of other people. Yeah, these are nice tips. That, that's correct. Um, so uh, you loved it. You want to keep doing wedding videos because i know like this is this is one thing i'm not gonna do like i'm never gonna do it because yeah. i know how much work goes into it and that kind of work it's very hectic yep absolutely and, uh, very stressful yeah i think i'm I'm willing to do it for a while. Not, I shouldn't say a while, a few years at least. Like, I mean, I've, like I said, I've only done one solo and I did enjoy it. It was a fun experience. And I, I do like being on my feet and just kind of capturing like moments, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be this huge scripted production. That's actually kind of how I got my start was uh, the same church I work at now. I worked at the summer camp that they have there when I was in high school and I would just film videos for them every week, just like a highlight of the camp, basically running around with the kids, playing games with the kids on camera and all that. So I got really used to running around events and like capturing people's faces, capturing good moments, stuff like that. But this yeah. is like the ultimate example of that because, you know, you've got a decorated room you've got people dressed up and make hair and makeup and everyone's emotional and smiling and stuff so there's a lot of content to capture yeah but at the exactly. same time it is a lot of work like you said like the editing has been quite the process you know trying to find a, even just finding a song that works for the for the edit i mean i spent maybe eight nine hours looking for music for the for yep. this wedding yep. like it's, it's exactly. ridiculous and so i'll give you a tip if you want to, to shorten yeah. this thing Okay, yeah. so just starting out, I had like, yeah, 10 hours of just looking for a song because you sure. want everything to be perfect. Yep. And, you know, song that like, gives 90% of the feeling from, of, a, of a film is, is a soundtrack. Now, mm-hmm. um, 
what I do, if it's for a client, just so I won't get the, uh, you know, can we switch the song halfway through the project from them? Yeah. Um, so I make, like, I give them three options and I tell them, you choose before we're starting out. Oh. And so they can tell me, let's change the song because I tell them, listen, this is the song you choose, you chose, and we are not going to change it. Know this after the first cut, we cannot change this. Yep. I just make it very clear. That's when, uh, in regards of working with clients. But in regard of like just taking the actual time of looking for a video, uh, looking for a, a soundtrack down, um, I would say, first of all, do you have a music library or are you just looking for in YouTube? No, I, I use like Musicbed, Premium Beat, Audio Jungle, just kind of the okay. three, so yeah, three of so my main sources. Yeah, so you can take your favorite one. And it depends on the type of video you know you're uh, going to make. But I would like actually listen to them while you're running, while you're working, while you do all those things. And once in a while, a song comes along that you really like. And you say, oh, this could be really good for weddings. And then this could be really good for da-da-da, whatever. And you make these libraries that in with time accumulate to this amazing kind of like super condensed and super uh, high quality that uh, songs that you choose and that you know that fit certain type of videos yeah and then that's a good when, idea yeah when time comes you just pick one up and you know yeah i do um, something kind of similar when i when i look for a song for a video like usually usually the song doesn't have to be you know super perfect for video because most of my stuff have been instrumental for like a background track for something more corporate like these live stream host things i was talking about yeah. you know it's it's usually just like a little upbeat little beat going yeah, behind yeah. it so that that's not as bad but what i'll do is if i find while i'm looking for a song if i find one that i do like i will save it to a collection even if it's not for the the project i'm working on right now and i have a couple folders you know like corporate uh, background track less than a minute or like christmas season tracks or wedding tracks <laughs> stuff like that so yeah yeah you find your little your little systems yeah exactly and it's uh, i mean nowadays uh it's so important like a uh, couple of episodes back there was a guy named um um forgot his name escobar anyway was his family name and um he told me, uh, he's an old school, and he told me, you know, back in the days, we didn't have, they didn't have uh, music libraries. So looking yep. for, for songs that you can license, let alone the price, I mean, finding them. Yeah, on physical media, you know, like CDs and all. <laughs> yeah, and you cannot really use them, you know, well, it depends, but yeah, it's, it's hectic. Right. And not only finding them, but nowadays, like anybody can upload their own music. You know, you can you can get an audio DAW for like two, three hundred dollars, learn it for a couple months. And as long as you know what you're doing and you're a decent musician or whatever, you can put something together in a few days and then upload it and make money on it just with a couple clicks. Yeah. Um, so um, tell me, Eric, like, what is your... Um uh, what's your process when uh, approaching a, a video like what's your thought process how do you approach it you know you're yeah. just uh starting out and so it's very interesting to to see what you're doing yeah yeah obviously it depends on you know the style of the video um for like a video that's more corporate not like a story or like nothing made up I, you know it's nothing i have to script what I'll usually do is just figure out for shooting and stuff, location, and then throughout there, or when I get to location, I'll either take pictures on my iPhone usually of like angles in the room that I think would work well, or I'll just, you know, look around and see what I think is the best angle and the best setup. And then I'll do, you know, all my filming and I'll make sure that I have room noise in my audio to, to take from and clean up and all that. Make sure we have a couple takes here and there. And then I like shooting with two cameras usually for like A, B cam. That way editing and filming just goes a lot smoother. If like yep. you're having somebody do announcements or if you're having somebody read a, 
a script or a teleprompter for a while, odds are they're going to mess up and you're going to have to start over or start back from a little bit. And I've always hated the look of like, I mean, YouTubers do this all the time now, which is just like the hard jump cuts no matter what. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. hey, how's it going, cut? My name is cut. Yeah. And but like that just that kills me. So I try to do it with the two camera setup so you don't see the cuts. You can hide them a little better between the different angles and stuff like that. Um, I think it depends. Uh, sorry for interrupting you. No, but go I ahead, think go ahead. The difference between jump cuts and AB cameras are giving a different kind of feeling to the video. Yep. Um, the, the YouTubers who are doing, you know, the jump cuts, um, what I found out is I just made an online course and in every video I'm doing a jump cut uh, on all the aha uh-huh and mm and, yep. uh, uh, and all these sounds and it makes the viewer be more engaged. Yep. Yep. You know, I've, yeah, so. that's what I've noticed, too. It's all about trying to concise all the dead space in your video to keep people engaged, which I totally understand. That's just that's just how our world is now. You go on Instagram and you watch a 30 second video. Who's going to sit down and watch, you know, 13 minutes with one minute of exactly. dead space where he's <laughs> where he's not even speaking. So, yeah, exactly. it's totally like a viewer viewership thing that that YouTube is adapted to. Um, but as far as creating like a story or content with I'll, I'll take an interview, for example. So we do like testimonial interviews, like I said, somebody telling their story. And something you mentioned was like you like to you kind of went from doing those into like the documentary space, which is kind of what I've been trying to do with those videos. So what we'll do is let's say we have a story of somebody who went went to jail in their past or something like that. We, we I actually have filmed a video of somebody who went to jail and heard her story. Oh, wow. And so um, what we'll do is we'll sit down with them, no cameras, no, or we'll call them even sometimes. And I'll, I'll just put my iPhone voice memos up and I'll record the whole conversation. Maybe it's 90 minutes, maybe it's an hour or whatever. And I'll just have them in their own words explain what they want to share and what their story is. I'll try to ask them questions here and there to you know help them provoke thoughts and whatever. But they'll tell their story. I'll record it. I'll take notes during it and say like, okay, this, this part in the story, she was really emotional on, or she spent more time talking about this part. So it's clear, it's clearly important to her. Let's try and rephrase how she answers it to make it a little more concise and more understandable for the audience. So I'll, I'll basically just get the information I need to know about the story first. And then from there I can construct questions for the interview that'll help um i guess it'll help the the interviewee um tell their story in you know chronological order and then we can hear the things that we that are most compelling in the story and then you know i film the interview usually we we will record those for i've had one that lasted 45 minutes i've had some that last close to two hours and then wow. you get the you get the A and B footage in there, both your cameras, and then good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually found a pretty good um, workflow for editing those. What I'll do is I'll multi-cam. make my multicams, yeah. whatever. Get I'll get all my footage synced up with the audio, do all that stuff, and then I'll bring that into my own timeline that I call my cuts, and I'll basically just cut. I'll make like a cut every sentence or whatever every point I need to. And what I do is like I use Premiere Pro. So there's all the video tracks and I'll drag them up onto a certain video track, depending on how good the clip is. So let's say she says like, um, and then she pauses for like a minute. I'll, I'll cut that and I'll leave it on video track one. I'm not going to use that clip. But she starts crying and she's telling the story about her family and it's like really emotional. I'll cut that video track four. I know it's one of my better clips. It's up higher. Mm, so then when nice I'm, yeah. So then when I'm like looking at the timeline zoomed out, I can see up and down vertically where my better clips are and I can just drag them up onto my final timeline, which would be blank at first. And then you start dragging it in to make it the appropriate length which for us is usually five six minutes something like that so that's how i condense like hours of footage (laughs) into a few minutes yeah yeah that's nice it's it's funny how everyone makes their own like systems and ways to work work around it without because you you didn't go to youtube i guess to learn this You, you you made it on your own 
Yeah, my you know? actually one of my I guess my mentors kind of taught me that method. He he worked at the church I work. He actually had my job before I did, and I interned mm. with him last summer. So I I got to work hands on with him and see how he worked in this job, which helped me which helped set me up to be successful in it but that was a really helpful tip i got from him and i i did the same i do that for a lot of edits i do that for my wedding edits even because i don't need audio but i still want to clip like i'll trim the beginning and the end off and like hey that's a really good shot of the dress drag it up we'll use that one stuff like that like it's just a really good visual way of condensing your footage quickly yeah i re- i really like it i mean i use uh, i might take your uh your method now I mean, I use yeah, feel uh, free. markers. It's, it's really nice. Yep. <laughs> I, I do it with markers and sure. uh, three type of colors. Yep. Green is for like um, good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's, yeah, yellow, it's better. And red is like the, the best. Yeah. Nice. And there's a, there's a thing on, on uh, Premiere where you can drag along the marker to see oh, it yeah. not as a dot, yeah, as a yep, line. Yep. Yep, and that way you can really see in colors, which is the exact same thing you're doing. Yeah, uh, and and plus, I'm not just making a marker; I'm I'm writing down in like a, a really short sentence what what's it about, so I will uh, know. Sure. Yep. You know that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, your method is is good, but you can't really know what what's it about. You have to zoom in yeah. and play it to mm-hmm. remember what's it about. Uh, yeah, um, I actually I actually use a little bit of what you're saying too. I'll I'll color code either I mean depending on the video of course. So like for the wedding for example, I did all of my what I would call B-roll. There's no people involved. It was just like a shot of the venue. I'd color all of that green. If it was of this ceremony, I did that in pink. If it was photos during photo time, I did that in blue. If it was during like the reception afterward, it was in purple. And and then from there I would do the um the hierarchy thing with how my clips are up and down. So you can like kind of look at it from a broad picture, see your section of purple. Oh, this is going to be a shot of somebody smiling from the dance or whatever. And then you can drag that where appropriate. And same with interviews. I'll do like one question or sometimes not even question based, but like topic based. Like if they're talking about their childhood, I'll make it blue. If they're talking about their coming to realization or their change you know the changing moment that'll be like green or whatever so yeah i'll do the color as well and that helps a lot yeah totally i think this is uh, such a useful tip for people who are just starting out making testimonials mm-hmm. because uh these type of videos yeah weddings and stuff documentary all these type of videos you end up with like three to four hours of raw footage and you're right. like okay i need to make <laughs> A three-minute video out of this. <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah, yeah. It could be hell. Like you can really like give up on videography after a couple oh, of absolutely. these projects. Yep. <laughs> you know. And like the thing was for me, I I, I just never would have thought like. I don't need my video to start like I don't need to edit it all on one timeline. I I would never have thought of that, which is just it's a pretty yeah. simple concept. But like, you can yeah. use a separate timeline, drag stuff onto that one. Like it's it's all about organization and efficiency because ultimately, totally. like your time is the most important resource. At, like with your job, I mean, without time, you're not going to get anything done. So, and yeah. I mean, we usually charge for how much time we work. So I mean, <laughs> there's there's a lot yeah. of aspects that this will help you out with. Yeah. By the way, I I personally, I mean, you work full time somewhere, but um, as a freelancer, I don't think ch- uh, charging by the hour is a smart thing to do. First of all, you do project telling, based. Yeah, telling the client your hour rate, you'll start to have the time warp. He wanted to be as fast as you can work, like with the highest quality, and you want to do it the slowest like yeah. n- not everybody but like in a general idea now when it comes to revisions and everything like that you know it's just a, a more complicated game what mm-hmm. i love to do is when i have an estimate of how much it will cost me and then how much i would want to uh, to profit, profit out of that yeah. project then uh, we settle on a price and and i give them two free revisions which every revision afterwards cost them around $300. And hmm. um, I'm telling them what it is, a revision. A revision right. is a set of, um, a set of a, um, instructions in the mail 
that are numbered and are very specific with time code, with timestamps. Mm, like okay. I show them exactly how I want to get the revisions because a lot of clients, they don't know how to send revisions. They will tell you vaguely like, yeah, I don't know over there that <laughs> yep. you don't understand. Yeah. No. Nope. So, <laughs> I, I feel yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still figuring out how I want to do payment methods. I mean, I, for, for weddings, I do project based and what I'll do is I'll sign a, I'll, I'll write up a contract to make sure that I, we have a locked in agreement and that we both follow through on our end because mm -hmm. not only do I have to follow through with my product as, as, as the videographer and the editor, but I want them to follow through with their payment and their, even just their expectations, you know, like yeah. one thing that you, you mentioned earlier is people don't realize how much it how much goes into making a video i mean hundreds yeah. of hours of editing a couple hours of filming finding music color grading all of it, it it's it's quite a process because ultimately like we've talked about you're making you're making an art project you're making a story all of that and so being laying down expectations right off the bat is going to save you a lot of time and hassle and it's going to protect you and your clients exactly exactly and a lot of times well, first of all, so what I said about the pricing, I believe uh, project-based always, no matter the the, the project. Um, you know, taking out if you're just making editing or you're just making something specific for someone. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking when some clients uh, some client want a video from A to Z. Yep. Then I, I really uh, strongly advise doing project-based. Um, now... When it comes to how to get paid and all these, like the agreement and, and uh, managing expectations, I believe down payment is a must. I was about uh, to do, ask you that. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I do. I do. Uh, I do between 30 to 50 percent down payment. Yep. If it's a small project, like around like up and up to about four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. I would take 50% and above that, I will uh, take it down to around 30. That's okay. like how I work. Um, I found out after like, you know, sometimes you have clients that you feel really connected to. And at the beginning, I felt like kind of like I didn't felt comfortable asking them for a down payment. Yeah. But as, as time go by and you figure out some, a lot of time, these clients are the worst. Because they feel like they're the, your friend, and then when uh, comes time to pay, uh, they drag it along, or you have this final revision that they dragging and dragging, and I had some revisions being dragged over months, you know. And you want to mm -hmm. get paid, or right, at least yeah. you want to have <laughs> you want to have some cards in your hands. Because yep. what happens is, if you didn't get paid, you, I mean, if the client didn't pay you nothing, and he still thinks that you need to improve the video. You need to improve the video that all the cards, I mean, is in his hands. I mean, you have nothing. You can't do nothing. And so right. I do two things to ensure I have leverage. I get down payment and every version of the video that I send the client is either very low quality, like I send it on mobile, or it has watermark. Mm. That's so that idea. way, yeah, he cannot use the video up until the final version that he gets only after he paid me the final yep. um, 70% or 50%, whatever. That's and good. that just puts Strategy. you in a very quiet, yeah, in a quite, very quiet place. Yeah. And um, I think so. I think that a lot of videographers, um, creative freelancers, whatever, these uh, people who give services, they don't understand that they don't want everyone as a client. There's mm -hmm. some clients you want to fire. <laughs> and yep. it's a very important point to, to realize. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the thing about you being a little uncomfortable at first to, to ask people for money up front and stuff. I had the same yeah. experience. I, uh, like I mentioned, I, I filmed a campaign video in high school and it was actually my, my very good friend's dad who was the, um, who was the state assembly at the time that I was recording. And I just, I mean, I was a high school kid. I didn't have extreme 
uh, experience in the field. Like this was one of my first bigger projects. And I, and I just felt so weird asking him for like how much I thought this video was worth. And especially, you know, it was, it was a friend's dad and it, you don't know how much goes into video and you don't know how much it actually should cost. And people are, are surprised to hear like a couple thousand dollars for a video. Like, I mean, that, that just seems ridiculous. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a daunting thing to ask people for that kind of money. But like we said, they, they don't know what goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. And what I found out is that the more confident you are about your pricing, the more people will respect you and will pay you. Because what happens is when you're like asking for the price, you know, yeah, like you should know your prices. Now, that being said, um, I have I have an online course teaching uh, all the business side of, of uh, videography, and one of my students asked me today to help me to help him out with the um, with a, a quote for a, for an e-commerce website he's uh he needs to make uh, a video for and he was asking me about numbers and i and i told him forget about the numbers for a second make it like okay i'll take it back for a second one of my rules is never send a quote um out of the blue let's say you talked to the client on the phone and then you'll tell him okay yeah great I got all the details, I'll send you a quote. Not a good thing. You need to talk numbers, even vaguely on the phone, so you're both kind of like on the same on the same side, on the same path. Like you know where you are where you are. Right. If you in your mind have okay, this video uh I will charge about uh thirty five hundred and your client never made a video, then he would he wouldn't call back. Like he would be like, what? And he wouldn't call back. Now, I, I gave uh, a bit of a, an extreme example, but it happens all the time. Like you're sending yeah. out, you're never hearing from the client again. Yep. That happens because there was no communication about the price beforehand. So what I suggest people doing is always talk about the price on the call itself, on the first call. And the way I used to tackle this, because it's you know a lot of people at the beginning and even uh, a lot of advanced videographers are still having problems with this. Uh, I'm telling them what I told my, my student today is make it a process with the client. Make the pricing process a thing you do together. And what I mean by that is I tell my client, listen, let's make a price that we are both happy about it. Okay, there's tons of variables to g that goes in every video. It's not like you're asking how much for this uh, shoe or how much for this meal. It, it's not a fixed price, right? right. Every yeah. video, like asking what's the price of a video is like asking what's the price of a house. Like there's <laughs> tons of variables. Yeah. So you gave me a rough idea of what video do you, you want. Now I have something in mind and uh, tell me if it's okay with you. Like, my goal is for both of us to feel like we got a good deal. If one of us feels that it's got, uh, like, uh, screwed over, that it's not sustainable. That's actually what I'm saying. And it puts you and the client in such a way, way more trusted conversation, I think. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because clients are afraid that you will screw them over because they do, they never done videos or they don't know, or I don't know, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, they don't think, wanna, yeah. And I think one of the things that troubles people is like a video isn't a tangible product, you know? It's not, it's not something that you gain any capital or value from, you know? It's something you can show people and post somewhere, but it's not like a car that you can drive around and, exactly. and park in your garage. So people don't understand like why it has value and where that value comes from. Yeah. Exactly. And the, uh, the problem with non-physical products, it's like selling a black box. How would you explain someone what's in the black box? You know, so yeah. the, the art of selling something that is not tangible is conveying a message, is showing them what you can make, what, you, what your previous videos look like, what those videos generated your clients 
there's a lot of go that goes into it. I won't go uh, deep into it now, but um, yeah, it's a very very interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, before we we go, um, do you have anything else you wanna you wanna talk about? You wanna ask? You wanna say? You wanna share? I'm I'm curious about what kind of work you do because you you live in Israel, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you what do you do for freelance around there? Yeah. So I I have my uh, video production company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Hexa, and it started off as um, a drone filming business. Ah. And yeah, I, I started filming real estate and events and stuff like that um, back in 2014. And, um, you know, uh, I had to start and like edit the materials I was filming because people mm-hmm. are asking, you know, okay, yeah, I, great. I got them the footage, but now they want video. So I started like learning how to edit and I found out that I really like it and clients really loved my work. And I remember one of my first jobs, um, I was doing this video for free for, uh, for the local um, city wall, city hall, sorry. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was going around the city, filming everything and just sent it out to them and told them, listen, I don't want money for this. It's for free. Just tag me in your post. They were hooked. The video got really viral because it's like was, you know, drones were really new at back then. And yep. suddenly mm-hmm. people saw their city from above and it was really cool. And yeah. that one video got me to, got them to ask me for another one, but paid. Nice. That was so cool. It was my, my first big client. And uh, I needed to bring on an extra cameraman. Now, I didn't do, I didn't film back then i didn't know how to like handle a camera i didn't know what to do all, all i knew was uh filming with my drone and edit yeah and so i built some sort of script and i got this videographer who i met at another event and one thing led to another and all of a sudden like i'm directing and you know it all like just evolved. <laughs> Yeah. Every project gets you like, okay, now I need to do this. Now I need to do that. Yep. And, and, and yeah, and suddenly I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not a drone videography business anymore. Um, a video production business. And, and yeah, and then I started like market myself as this video guy who makes the whole project from A to Z. Mm-hmm. And, nice. uh, and yeah, and today, I'm aiming uh, more to towards uh, clients on a revenue share base, which means um, I'm getting out of the project style videos. You know, client comes to me, wants a video, I make a video, and then he goes and maybe comes back, I don't know, three months later. Yeah. Um, so what I'm doing now, I am working with companies who are willing to do revenue share uh, business model which means I make video for them and I get paid a percentage of sales at the end of the month. Uh That way, yeah, and that way I have the same incentive as the client to make good uh, videos that convert. Right. And yeah, I I, I do it for e-commerce websites, uh, like jewelry websites, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like products, like tangible products that are selling online, which are on the rise, especially now in COVID, because everybody's just buying online. Right. Yeah. It's great. So um, how did you get yeah. how did you get yourself into like the real estate drone photography stuff? Because that's actually something I've been looking into. I I, mm-hmm. I have a drone through my work, and I've plenty of hours flying it, and I'm a, I'm a pretty good drone pilot and uh, mm-hmm. cinematographer with that. And I've seen like the the success you can have in real estate photography and and videography and stuff. Okay, so first of all, you have to understand real estate breaks down into two sections. You have the uh, private section, realtors that will sell like houses, small to big. Yep. But these are still like private realtors. Mm-hmm. And then you have the big corporate companies who build buildings and neighborhoods. Yeah. And these are the ones you want to target. Okay. Because because the the private relators uh, oftentimes 
they don't want to invest in videos uh, because you have to un you have to remember once they make a video, it's only half of it. They have to go and market it, right? They and they have to go and make some use of it. And um, if you're doing private relators, I would only do like high luxury, uh, like um, houses. I would say, I don't know, uh, four million and above. Because yeah. the relator commission is about one to two percent, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and for them to pay you around, I don't know, starting from two thousand dollars per video. You know, not knowing if the house is going to sell. Yeah. They have. They need to have a big enough commission to justify that purchase. So right, I'm not right. saying it's not possible. I'm just saying you have way better chances uh, with the the luxury houses, four million sense. and above. Yeah. So how do you get your how do you get your your name out to those people? I mean, obviously you probably have to have some some credibility beforehand and have your name in in the general yeah. public and uh, at least in some degree. But yeah, do you just approach so, those companies? So yeah, um, today I'm. Uh, it's a different game because I already have an, uh, established a name here in Israel. Right. So yeah. a lot of people know me already. But taken back, every time, even today, by the way, if I want to tap into a new market that I haven't, I I don't have any portfolio about. Like let's say I want to do real estate and I never done real estate before, I would go shoot uh, an amazing video for a client. And he wouldn't know about it. And after the video is ready, I will send it to them saying, here's a video I make. I don't want any money for this. All I want is a meeting with you. And everybody says yes, because they're thrilled. You know, somebody made a, a great video for their project and right, it's for free. free video. Yep. Yeah. And all you want is a meeting. Now, it's kind of like shooting in the dark. If you're just doing it like, oh, this looks like a cool project. Let's make a video about it. No, I would say you want to look for companies who are active and have projects uh, either in the planning phase or the building phase. You want to catch them before they go out to market uh, yep. for the marketing stage. What I mean by that, when um, every uh, real estate company when they build a neighborhood, when they build a, a building. So uh, they get to the stage where they uh, already market their project to the, to the public. And by that stage, it can be too late because they already have materials. Doesn't necessarily have to be too late, but usually they already have everything they need. Yeah. So uh, there's no real way to know before you talk to them. But you can guess, like you can see uh, if you go to the website and you see like uh, we have uh, X amount of projects already done and these are upcoming in the coming years. You know they're working and you want to see where their next projects are going to be. So that, that way you can figure out. Now what mm -hmm. I said about making a video and then go to them, that's like the, that's the best way, but it's, it's very time consuming. Yeah. So you can, you can just... Honestly, people are, are not doing it today. Uh, not a lot of people doing it today, but cold calling is still a thing. And you have to remember, like, these clients, especially real estate, they are old school. So especially with them, cold calling is, is more, more than ex acceptable, yeah. you know? Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would think about an interesting offer. Like, beforehand, you go to the website, you see, okay, they have three projects they're they're making i would say okay listen guys i see you have like three projects in the making i'm willing to do and, and you can be honest about it i'm i'm new at i'm new at real estate i'm not new to video but i'm new to real estate and i really want to tap into it i would do your first project whatever you choose for free and if you like it we can continue on to the next ones gotcha you just you just need to get your foot in the door yeah. And once you have this one client and let's say you generated like your video made them sell more easily, like um, 
I don't know, they sold all the apartments within six months and each apartment, you know, I know is like worth X. Your video contributed to this whole endeavor. Yep. So you can, you can take this um, success story to your next real estate, real estate customer. True. True. And yeah, and it seems yeah, like then on it. It seems like the once you get your first few clients in in any, um, I guess, uh, in any like type of video, it's it, it's just easier to get more clients after you have the first few and once you have your name out there. Yeah, because every industry you have to remember every industry has its niche and yep. click and people are talking to each other. So. The first client I got out of real estate, the first big one, I got all the other ones afterwards for uh, word of mouth referrals because oh. they just talk to each other. Yeah, that, that's what happens. Um, and uh, I have I have a policy where I give I give 10 percent for every referral. I don't care if you're filthy rich or you're just my neighbor next door. I give 10 percent commission to everybody who refer job to me. What, what do you mean by that? Like you'll take 10, 10 off your price? Let's say, let's say you brought me to David. Sure. And David wants a video. And I priced that video for $10,000. I would give you, Eric, $1,000. Gotcha. So you would and actually give him a cut of your profit. Yeah. And I don't care because usually I get another referral from that customer or right. that customer will have uh, multiple projects with me. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting 10%, you're happy, and I'm keeping that client, and I'm adding it to my portfolio. It's a win-win. Right. Plus, you wouldn't have gotten that money without that referral, so. Exactly, exactly. Yep. And, yeah. Hmm. Wow, sounds like you uh, really got it figured out then. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because my whole course is about this because I see a lot of people struggle um, with the business side. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people doing great videos but having a consistent income in this business is very hard yeah yeah like you can have amazing months and then some months go to zero and the holy grail of like everybody looking for a retainer clients and it's not easy to to accomplish if right. not retainer clients then you know clients that are you know a, a constant flow of clients yeah and what i say all the time is um, it, it's way easier to retain a client than to gain a new one. Right. There's a research saying about seven, seven times easier. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but I mean, I believe um, it. you got to go through all the rapport and you got to, you know, teach yeah. them everything about video and how it goes one time. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And their referral, I, I say it's like half of a retaining a client because yeah. They already have the rapport because they know that guy and they trust him. Like, uh, I had a, a really real estate client a month ago um, who was referred to me through another real estate uh, client, and I didn't need to do any selling, like at all. He was like, "Hey, Aviv, how are you? I got your phone from uh, that company you work with. Da 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 da. I need a video. Uh, come here. We'll meet." We'll do um, uh, all the thinking and you'll give me a number. I came down there. We talked about only the, the, like the creative side. I sent them the quote. They said, yes, that's it. Like I didn't have to do any selling. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when, when you do a good job for someone and they refer you. That's like the most powerful yep. way of marketing. Yep. Of course, people can go in and make um, you know, online marketing, which I really recommend but not at the beginning, like not when you just starting out, get your feet wet uh, with free projects and some like, you know, just like word of mouth a bit. That's what I believe in. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be working. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, awesome. Yeah. Eric, uh, is there any way uh, people can see some of your stuff? You want me to put a link down in the description? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much stuff of my own online right now because I'm working for the, the church, mm. but I will be posting like the wedding video on my Facebook and, and stuff like that soon. So you could probably just link my Facebook. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. Send me a I'm link to your Facebook and I'll put it down. Yeah, I'm working on building a website or a portfolio of, of some kind. Yeah, okay, great, man. Great. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you want, I can send you my course uh, yeah, for please. free. Please. Yeah, because I'm looking, I'm looking for some um, for some uh, honest feedback from people and some reviews at the moment. The course is pretty new. Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'll, s- I'm I'll very send interested. it to you. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Eric. Thank you very much. Coming yeah. On thank this you. Podcast. It was really, really good. Yeah, that was that was fun. I'm glad I got to be a part of that. Yeah, my friend. And I uh, hope I'll see you again then. Absolutely. We'll we'll stay in touch. Okay, my friend. All right. Take it easy. Yeah. Bye bye. All right, guys, this is the end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now, please, please, please share this podcast, review it um, with fellow videographers or creative freelancers. I really hope, you know, it gives value to other people. Um, I'm just starting out this podcast and I really hope uh, other people like it. If you have any comments, any suggestions, send it out to me. Um, See you in the next one. Yalla, bye.